Thanks for joining us. I'm Nathan, the online pastor around here. And if this is your first time checking out Parkview on the go, let me tell you what we're all about. We are here to help you take a step toward God, toward living the life He wants for you. And if you're feeling stagnant, maybe in your marriage or in your relationships, or you're feeling lost, like you're not sure where to go next, we are here for you. And one of the best ways for you to stay connected to our online community is by joining the online campus Facebook group. In that group, you'll find a bunch of people who pray for one another, encourage each other, and laugh a lot together. Just go to Facebook, search for Parkview Christian Online Campus, and it'll take you right there. Today, Pastor Tim is starting a brand new teaching series called Wish You Were Here. But before he does that, I just want to thank all of you who continue to support the mission of Parkview. God is using your resources to reach thousands of people every single week with the hope of Jesus, both locally and globally. So thank you so much for being on mission with us. We believe that living generously is the best way to live. And if you're ready to give, you can set all of that up at parkviewchurch.com give. Thanks again for spending time with us today. Enjoy the service. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year online. Happy New Year, Homer, New Lenox, Orland. Glad to have you guys all here. Great start to 21, right? Woo, Bears lost their way into the playoffs. President's been banned on Twitter, maybe evicted from the White House, and a guy in a Chewbacca costume stormed the Capitol with some of his friends. Other than that, so far, so good, right? Um, and on a personal note, my father-in-law, who was diagnosed with cancer on December 10th, died 10 days later, and we had a little family service for him as we started the new year. And then, let's take it back up a little bit. Last night, this happened. My sixth grandchild, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. My baby had her first baby. This is August Andrew Deming, and he was born like in the middle of the night last night, and we're pretty excited about that, which really does put everything into perspective for me, okay? I mean, I know it's crazy, you know, and it's been crazy for us, time to be born, a time to die, man. I mean, yeah, all of that, and I know that you're feeling this deep sense of of frustration and anxiety about the past year and even about the past week. And as our family brings another child into this world, I completely understand where you're coming from. <laughs> I, I, I just, I really do. And I thought about trying to preach about the issues, but the problem is there's so many different ways that things can be interpreted. And I have my own opinions. So I, I kept coming back to this, this thing that we did last week where Paul said, I pray that you may be able to discern what is best. And, and I guess, you know, no matter how you feel about all the stuff that's going on in D.C. and everything else, th that you would understand that that is really what is important. One of God's wishes for you is that you would be able to discern, that you would be able to examine and identify exactly not just what's good, but what is best, okay? Okay. Because you know this to be true. If you don't discern what is good for you, what is best for your life, somebody else is going to do it. And I'm seeing that happen all 
over the internet, right? Everybody's taking sides. Everybody's doing different things with all of this stuff, and it's been going on all year. I mean, it's, it's almost like, oh yeah, I forgot there's a pandemic, right? Because we've got this whole other big thing going on. And some of this is true with the events of this week. I can listen to someone and be fully convinced that things were one way. And then I can listen to another one, another person, and I can be fully convinced that they were the other way. But the only way to discern God's best is to take all the information and weigh it, not against the Constitution, but against the Word of God, so that you can discern what's best, okay? And by the way, you should be discerning it against the new covenant established by Jesus, not just the old one that Jesus came to fulfill, the covenant of love and grace, okay? So we're doing this series called Wish You Were Here. And we've all heard the message, you know, I'm here. We've all sent a postcard, you know, I'm here, wish you were here. And sometimes we mean it, right? Sometimes we're like, yeah, you know, I really do mean it. I wish you were here. Sometimes it's just our way of rubbing it in their face that they're stuck in Illinois and we're in Mexico, right? I mean, that, that you got to admit, right? So take this entire series writing uh, as God writing us from this place of perfection. I'm not saying Mexico's that, but you get what I'm saying. And, and love and beauty. And he's saying, I wish you could be here. But it's not about, I can't wait to have you in heaven. It's about the heaven to earth thing. I have a tattoo on my arm that says heaven to earth, earth to heaven. That's my mantra. I'm supposed to bring heaven to earth and take earth to heaven. And so that's what we do, right? We bring heaven to earth. So it's, it's not just about someday I can't wait for it, but it's possible for the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done is what we pray. Why? Because it's not yet, but it's possible. And, and the wish you were here part, I hesitate with that because wish is so dumb, you know, right? We all know that Disney's a fraud, don't we? I mean, when you wish upon a star, it doesn't get you very far. Let's just be honest. Wishes only turn into realities when you do something about them, like wreck the roof, like I talked about. Go back and listen to last week, okay? So what are we going to do to figure out how to be and discern what's best? Well, I really honestly had another direction I was going to go this week, but I decided, you know what, the place we've got to start is we've got to start with understanding who God is. We've got to understand how big God is, because if we understand that in the midst of all this chaos, it will bring us the peace that we need. I, I really believe that. I love the story of the kids all lined up at the Catholic school for lunch, and the head of the table was a large pile of apples, and one of the nuns had put a note on there that said, hey, take only one, God is watching. And at the other end of the, you know, the, the whole long line, there was a, a whole table full of chocolate chip cookies, and an ornery little boy wrote a note and said, take all you want, God's watching the apples. <laughs> See, if, if, if that's where most people are living, they're frustrated right now. They're really worried right now. They're really anxious right now about pandemic, about our country, about, you know, racism, about whatever's going on. They're really worried about it. Because if you have a small God and a small faith, you have a small life, and it makes you very anxious, okay? doesn't really matter how much faith I have. If my God is small, I'm in trouble. So the great faith question is, would you rather, I don't remember who asked this originally, but I'm going to steal it. Would you rather walk across a deep canyon with a big faith in a little log or a little faith in a big bridge? I'd rather have a little bit of faith in the big bridge, wouldn't you? 
And I believe as we approach 2021, we got to quit trying to have a bunch of faith in a small log, and we need to start understanding how big God really is and that he really is in control. Tolstoy said, as soon as I become conscious that there is such a power over me, I felt a possibility of living. And that's what, that's what I'm really hoping for you as we start 21. Wish you were here. Wish you were here where? With a God who is big enough to help you be all that you can be and to help you get where you need to get in 2021, to understand and discern what is best for you. And your faith journey might be as difficult if you really understood how big God is. J.B. Phillips says, the, the trouble with many people today is that they have not found a God big enough for modern needs. In the old days, people believed in a God because that's all they could do, but they have faith in a little G God, and that doesn't work very well. Tim Keller said, the amount of our faith is not as important as what we have our faith in. Some people are having a lot of faith, think having a lot of faith will get you further with God and a better reward in heaven or something. I don't think that's really true. Think of it like this. Think of it like getting on an airplane. Someone could have a tremendous amount of faith in the pilot and the airplane and have a wonderful flight to their destination. On the same plane, there could be a passenger with just enough faith only to board the plane, and that passenger probably would have a terrible flight with a lot of anxiety, but they would still end up at the same location. So how big is your God? Because if he's really as big as the Bible says he is, we can be frustrated, we can be irritated, we can be a little bit anxious, but we shouldn't worry. That's what Jesus told us. Why do you worry? None of you can change what's going to happen tomorrow. I uh, actually wrote on this topic for my doctoral dissertation 20 years ago, and I was looking through some of my stuff, and I found a note that when my oldest daughter was about three years old, so that would have been 30 years ago, really, she comforted me as I left for work one day by saying, call me if you need anything. She was three. I'm sure she heard that empty phrase from you know, her mom, but all I could do was laugh. Okay, Rachel, if I have some trouble in this big, crazy world, I'll give you a call so you can help me out. You see what I mean? If I'm in trouble, I don't need a three-year-old. It goes back to the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Once I figure out how good the shepherd is, it changes your perspective. Back in the day, in the early 2000s, when Kurt Warner was the quarterback for the St. Louis Rams, I got to go to training camp and interview him. He's a great Christian man, and they actually had training camp at Western University of Macomb, and this was the year after their big Super Bowl win and this, this tremendous rags-to-riches story for Kurt Warner, and I got to eat with the team, with the NFL team, Okay. And everything was, it was so hilarious. I wish I had a picture of it. Everything was marked with the calorie count because they had stuff to make you gain weight and they had stuff to make you lose weight, right? Because some guys are going one way or the other. But as they stood there trying to figure out what I was going to eat, the offensive line got out of practice and they were hungry and they were big. So I just got out of the way. 
Because when you see those guys up close, it's unbelievable. And if you're a quarterback, you don't need a three-year-old on your line. Call me if you need anything. What you need on your line is the beef. Where's the beef? That's what you need on the line. Because the more vulnerable you are, the more you need big protection. Listen to me, United States of America 2021. The more vulnerable we are, the more we need big protection from God. Like God saying, I will go before you and I will level the mountain. He's our offensive line. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through the bars of iron so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who calls you by name. That's the front line I want. King David had probably the best understanding of God of anyone, wrote most of the Psalms, and uh, uh, just a big, big understanding, close. Jesus, God said, nobody's like me. Nobody's like David, anybody else. He's a man after my own heart. And what does he say? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Why? Because David knew God was big. That's why another theologian named Kesha said, no, you don't want to mess with us. Got Jesus on my necklace. (laughs) No? Okay. It's just been fun to read back (laughs) some of the stuff that I wrote in this dissertation about my kids and their understanding of God. We were talking about God one day when my family was younger, and there was this song that we used to sing, when I bring it up, it's going to be in your mind, and you guys are going to hate me forever if you know this song. It was called, He is Exalted. Okay, you hate me now, Danny. Okay, he is exalted, the king is exalted, and we used to sing it all the time. It was such a popular song, right? A- except that one of my kids didn't quite understand it. She was six at the time, and she kept singing, He is exhausted. <laughs> he is exhausted. No, God doesn't get tired. God didn't rest on the seventh day to set to, to, because he was tired, he did it to set an example for us. God wasn't thinking, man, I really need a break here, all this creating and stuff. I'm, I'm really tired. I'm going to go golfing. That's, that's, not how, that's not how it works. Isaiah 40, again, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. You see, if you have a small God with small faith, you're going to have a small life. But if you have big God with big faith, you can have a big life. So wish you were here depends on starting with the understanding that he is a big God. And I would say even if it's a big God with a little faith, you can have a big life. Let me contrast two stories from the life of Jesus, okay? Great stories. One day the disciples tried to cast a demon out of a guy and the demon wouldn't go. You ever have that problem? I mean, that would be a bummer, wouldn't it? You know, just a demon come out, oh crud. What are we supposed to do now? Did we say something wrong? How do we work this thing right? We, we better get Jesus here. So Jesus takes care of it. And then the disciples came to him later, which was a mistake, and came to Jesus in private and said, um, how come we couldn't drive it out? And Jesus said, it's because you have little faith. 
I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move because nothing is impossible for you. You've got to have some faith because God is big. Of course, they figured it out soon, and they had big faith, and they changed the world. But you contrast that with a very fascinating story over in Luke 7 about a centurion, a Roman centurion who really had a sick servant that he loved, and he went to Jesus and asked for help, and he was not even a guy that necessarily believed in the God of Judaism. We don't really know where he came from. So Jesus went with them, and he was not far from the house when a centurion came along and sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. He'd sent these guys to go get Jesus, and Jesus is coming with them. And the centurion said, Lord, you don't have to come for yourself. I don't deserve to have you under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. You hear this humility? But say the word, and my servant will be healed. Then he goes on. He says, I'm a man under authority. With soldiers under me, I tell this one go, and he goes. I tell that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and he turned to the crowd following him, and he said, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. You see the difference it makes? If you believe who God really is, how big he really is, he understood the power and all it took was a little bit of faith. You don't even need to come, Jesus. You can just do it. The disciples thought they had the power, but the centurion knew he didn't. And he knew who did. And that's all the difference. Does that make you breathe a little bit easier in the middle of all this? Maybe at some point in your life you had a big faith in a big God. But it's gone away. I, I get it, okay? Come on back. Poor Job was a guy who had everything, and then Satan took it all away from him. And he had a remarkable faith, but it started to fail him along the way. So God sets him down and has a little conversation with him. He says, Job, stop and consider God's wonders. Do you know how God controls the clouds and makes the lightning flash? Break yourself like a man, he says. And he just goes on and on and on. He says, do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? He just keeps going on and on and on. What God is saying is, look, Job, I I know that you're troubled right now. I know that you're upset. You've had some bad things happen to you. And here's what I want to say to you, country. I know you've had some bad things happen to you. And I know there's some stuff looming out there that is really nuts. I get all that. But what God is telling us is, look, guys, do you know how to make snow? Because I'm the one that does that. Do, Do you know how a doe bears her fawn? Do you watch when that happens? Do you control the clouds? Do you know how to make the lightning flash? I got this. That's what he's saying. And one of the funny things I noticed when I was studying all this was that God says to Job, something really interesting, do you have an arm like God's? I love that. I mean, I wish I had big arms. I really do. At this point, I'm just trying to keep them from flapping underneath because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm giving up. But, but I did a little study on the arm of God. Listen to some of these verses because this will help you. With my great power and my outstretched arm, I made the earth and its people, and the animals that are on it. And I give it to anyone I please. Hmm. 
Ah, sovereign Lord, Jeremiah also says. This is God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is impossible for you. It's interesting to me, it was interesting to me as I was studying this, that these passages refer to one arm. It always just talks about the one arm of, the God, of God. I mean, do you think he only has one arm? Because I think what he's trying to tell us is, look, I got all this with one hand tied behind my back. And if you have a wimpy version of God, you can't be where God wants you to be. You know, it's like having a wimpy version of your dad. I heard two school kids bragging in the schoolyard one day, and one, one of them said, my daddy can beat up your daddy. And the other kid said, big deal, so can my mom. I mean, you just don't want that, right? You, you want that person, that offensive line. You want your dad. You want the people around you that can take care of the problems. And I guess the thing that's so important to me as we start into this new year, and hopefully we get the, you know, we get the vaccine. My parents are scheduled to get the vaccine this week, as a matter of fact. It's starting to make its way around. You got to be 80 years old, and they're, they're going to get it. And, you know, I mean, we're starting to see some hope. And then this stuff with DC is happening and all this stuff going on. It is really important that you understand that God is in control. God is in control. It doesn't matter how strong your arms are, if you're swinging them in space and it's not working, it's, it's not going to work. One of the reasons Muhammad Ali was the greatest of all time is because his arms were long. Listen to this one. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. I just, I just see like Arnold Schwarzenegger with, with Danny DeVito, you know, just swinging at him, right? If you can't make contact, it's not going to work. The arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. He is there for you. He goes on in Isaiah, he says, was my arm too short to ransom you? Do I lack the strength to rescue you? Of course not. The Lord answered Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? You will now see whether or not what I say will come true. That's all good stuff. Are my arms too weak? Are my arms too short? You see, this is why Jesus said, therefore I tell you, don't worry. Because nobody can beat up your dad. It's a great story from the Old Testament. One of my really favorite stories of prophet Elisha. And the king of Aram was mad at him and sent his men to capture Elisha and his entourage, including another servant who thought that God wasn't very much help, okay? And we pick it up in 2 Kings 6. When the servant of the man of God, when the servant of Elisha went out and got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. He went running back to Elisha, said, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. One of my favorite scriptures. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. 
And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. My prayer for you is that very same thing. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. More than you can imagine, God is there. And if you could have your eyes open, and that's what I pray for as we start 2021, whether you care about all that stuff going on at the Capitol, whether you care about the pandemic, whether, whether it's closer to home for you and whatever's going on, nothing's going to happen in your year to help you be everything that you can be and to discern what's best for your life until you start with the foundational truth that your Father in heaven is everything you need Him to be. That He is big, He is strong, His arms are long, and they're strong, and He's got you. Farmer wrote about an experience that illustrated faith in a big God. I just, I love this story. He said, I was driving a tractor one day, and usually my partner drove the tractor, and I stood behind him one foot at a time on a two-inch wide drawbar. And I held onto the tractor seat with a good grip in case one of the many bumps we hit caused me to lose my footing altogether. It was a very dumb and hazardous way to travel, but I had grown accustomed to it. On this trip, however, I had reduced my grip by half because I was holding my son in one arm. Along the way, the outright stupidity of what I was doing, you ever have that happen? Yeah, it happens to me a lot. Along the way, the outright stupidity of what I was doing struck me with a mighty fear. And in the seconds that, the, the seconds that followed, the fear raged, and I began to look for where I might attempt to roll off if I, and protect my son if I fell off. At the peak of my panic, I turned to my son to see what he was thinking about the situation. It was amazing. Because with the wind pushing back his hair and the sound of the old tractor roaring in his ears, he was ecstatic. His face was aglow and his eyes danced with delight. And the bouncing only made him more jovial. He even rested one arm around my collar while he waved the other one in the current of the rushing air. Not only was he totally oblivious to the danger at hand, he was thoroughly enjoying it. For him, there was no danger. As far as he was concerned, everything was just fine. How often, this guy wrote, since that day, I have told myself that no matter how complex the problem or how imminent the danger, there is but one place for me, safe in my Father's arms. If you have a small God... With a small faith, you're going to have a small life. But if you have a big God with a big faith, you're going to have a big life. I think that will change everything for you in 2021. I'm going to pray us out and then lead us into communion. Um, I, I, I want to pray a prayer that my friend Ben wrote, one of my stinkling friends. And I just want to pray this over us because I believe this is a great way for us to get started, and a great, he just did a great job of wording all the things that are going on in our lives right now. Pray with me. Father, we turn to you today, our shepherd, our leader, our friend, our God, our Savior, and we thank you for being consistent and pure and always good and faithful.
And we call out to you now with hearts bursting with so many thoughts and feelings. We cry out to you on behalf of our nation and our families and our own hearts because we need you. Your word says that when we have stuff inside of us that is too deep for words and we can't find a way to express what we think or feel, that your spirit understands, Lord, and it can interpret our groans and we carry them to you, Lord. So we come to you knowing that whatever we are feeling in the range of emotions and thoughts, you are very literally our present help in time of need. And so we pray for those who are scared to know that you are not because you are strong and secure and still in control. We are shocked, but you are not surprised or caught off guard or unable to process this. We are sad, and we ask for you to be with us in our sadness and comfort us and help us find joy. We are angry, and we thank you that we can cast all our cares on you, and you care for us and for any injustice and upheaval And you can help us with our anger to understand, but also to move us to be productive and peaceful. We are divided, Lord. And we ask for your spirit, the spirit of unity, to move in our church and help us to model oneness. We are feeling vulnerable and concerned. And we thank you that you are our protector and provider and strong tower and fortress and that the most weak and oppressed and neglected and disempowered among us can find strength and confidence and identity and assurance in you through Jesus Christ. So help us, Lord. Make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Jesus, Son of God, King of the universe, grant that we would not so much seek to be consoled ourselves as to console others, not so much to be understood as to understand, not so much to be loved, but as to love like you love. And we pray this all in the strong, enduring, and unchanging name of Jesus. Amen. There is no doubt that this is going to be a great teaching series. Be sure to share Parkview on the go with the people in your circle so they can experience it too. And listen, we all know that growth is nearly impossible without relationships. So I want you to consider if you want to start taking steps toward living the life God wants for you, I want you to consider jumping in on our upcoming session of Rooted. It actually starts this week, so you don't have a ton of time to think about it. And and here's the deal. Whether you participate online or in person, Rooted is the perfect opportunity to grow alongside other people and to build relationships with people who are trying to follow Jesus. To get signed up or to find out more information, check out parkvchurch.com slash rooted. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. See you next time.